You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning to everybody out there, or good afternoon, as the case may be. As a matter of fact, it's just going to crack that afternoon point as you speak with our special guest today, who's coming to us live from New Jersey. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's call-in show, live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, here on Pet Life. And uh, we are, uh, again, very happy to have with us a very special guest who is representing, well, of course, herself, but the American Animal Hospital Association. That is Dr. Heather Lenzer coming to us live from New Jersey. Hello, Heather. How are you? Hi, Jeff. How are you? You're great. I'm doing great. I'm on my deck for the first time since probably October, so I'm very excited to be outside today. I was very impressed looking at the background. Your background is way nicer than mine. I'm in my (laughs) home studio with just a bunch of uh, lights and blinds behind me, but uh, it's gorgeous out there. And um, my dogs are too noisy. I don't know if I, if I were outside, they hear me talking. They'd, they'd be yapping away. And I there, are no, there are no guarantees that there won't be dogs running by. And my husband are doing yard work, right? So I've told them to stay away from my background there back here. But, you know, you never know what happens. And we have bears walk, here, too. So it's super walk, cool if we had a black bear walking by. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is cool. kind of cool. So uh, anyway, we're here live. I want to thank our sponsors, which are Elanco, makers of Comfortis and Trifexis, Kong Veterinary Products, Save This Life Microchips, ProSense Pet Products, and our, I guess our guest sponsor for today, the American Animal Hospital Association, of which I am proud to be a member. My hospital has been a member for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when I uh, first opened on my own, the practice that I used to belong to was an AHA certified practice. And I, that's kind of where I started to learn about the, all the rules and regulations. You know, people think that their state associations are tough on them. <laughs> that ain't nothing <laughs> compared to AHA. And, but, you know, really it's, it's for the good of the animal. It's for the, the staff. I think it gives them something to strive for as they're going after the certification. It's great to be. And, and you know, what amazes me, even though I know there are more hospitals out there that probably could qualify, based on the physical plant, based on their equipment, based on their skills, their training. But only 15% of animal hospitals across North America are certified. And um, I think that uh, it's really a shame because I think clients that understand, and what we do is also we let them know about our AHA practice and our certification. So they feel better knowing that they are coming to an AHA practice. As a matter of fact, if when I get a quest that someone is moving to a different city and I don't know personally any veterinarian in that area, I'm going to refer them to AHA because I can only vouch the fact that any AHA certified practice, at least I can't vouch for the personality of the doctor. He could be the biggest geek on the planet, but at least I know that the facility you know, passes these strict standards, that the protocols practice these strict, the record keeping, pet care, etc. So, um, Anyway, when you're referring people there, you're actually sending them to aaha.org, so aha.org, and there's a little icon on there that has the hospital locator button on it, and uh, you, all you need to do is type in your zip code, and a list of accredited hospitals will pop up on your screen. And so Good. it's great if you're moving, and it's also great if you're traveling. And as summer starts to uh, roll around, we have a lot of pets hitting the road, and it's really great for parent pet parents to know that they can find an aha accredited hospital wherever it is they're on vacation. Absolutely. And, and you just uh, touched on something very important because one of the reasons why we're, you're here today as my guest is, and I just did a piece I was telling you before the show on Fox uh, News Edge this week, and 
as I'm looking at you sitting in New Jersey, of all places, at 70-degree weather, out on your, your balcony, your porch, whatever, it really does hit live that we are in the midst of spring. And with that comes, believe it or not, you know, we always talk about the winter hazards, but we have spring and summer hazards as well, and something that we should discuss. So what I wanted to do is let's just roll down. I'm, I'm sure both of us have worked on our list yeah. because <laughs> I gave I gave Heather this morning about 10 minutes to prepare, and that's it because <laughs> I, I realized I, I you were on my list, by the way, for the whole week to call you. And say, oh, could you be on the show this week? Until this morning, I finally read, oh my God, I never called her. And procrastination pays off because I did. Yeah. I scribbled down a whole bunch, and and it's kind of. I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a downer because you know, you name a holiday, a season, and I can name all the different ways that that you know that time of year can hurt our pets. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let, let me hear, what do you have on your list first? Uh, well, let's start with just our, you know, it is flowers are blooming. I can see behind you that I'm sure that it's the same way uh, by, out by you in Jersey. I'm here in uh -huh. Southern California. But we have a lot of plants and flowers. And though beautiful, many are can be toxic to pets. Things that you wouldn't even, you know, expect. Lilies, for example. Lilies could kill a cat. And not only, not only the lily flower itself, but if you cut some lilies and you bring them into the house and you put them in a beautiful vase and you water them, the water can also create the same damage. Causes kidney failure, uh, very serious. Tulips, daffodils, sago palm, oleander. People don't, you know, many people may have, if they're on heart medications themselves, may have heard of the drug digitalis or digoxin. That comes from oleander. It is a cardiac glycoside type of plant. So again, if they get into a lot of oleander, it's like they're taking too much heart medication that they don't need, and that can be dangerous. Diffenbachia also, and even some of the fertilizers that are used out there are potentially toxic. And I can put together a, a very realistic scenario where you use uh, maybe bone meal or blood meal as you're planting your bulbs. And even if it's organic stuff, not only do do dogs really like to eat that, and what can happen is they can eat too much bone meal, too much blood meal, and it can actually turn into a big congealed mess inside their stomach. So even though it's organic, it can still pose a huge hazard. But then if you planted your bulbs, which you would have done in the fall, but now everything's thawed and the ground's starting to warm up, and the dog starts to smell that bone meal or blood meal, where you planted your daffodils, your tulips, your hyacinths, those are all the most toxic part of the plants. You're right. completely right with lilies, but these other spring flowers that are coming up, it's the bulbs. bulbs. So if Absolutely. your dogs start digging that up, big trouble. The sago mm -hmm. palm's a huge deal. Do you oh. have those in your neck of the woods? We do, yeah. Okay. No. Can you just touch on why those are so bad? Because they're well, devastating. Well, first of all, there's the toxic effect, but they also there's an irritative factor with sago palm. That, in fact, a lot of these plants, by the way, that may not even be toxic per se, they can create a lot of gastric irritation when they're swallowed. And they have sharp edges and things like that could be a problem. And um, you mentioned something earlier about you know how pets like to eat and, and are attracted to smells. One of the things we often do, seasonally, of course, but there is a particular element that is a nuisance to us, and those are snails, okay? Oh, yes. And, and we put down snail bait. Well, yep. people, you have to understand, if you look at some snail bait, it's pellets, and the toxic ingredient is called metaldehyde, and these look like dog food. Yeah. And so these dogs are going to see these pellets, and they're going to eat them, and it is also potentially very, very toxic to dogs. That's a so horrible toxin to get into. Very yeah. careful if you're going to have, if you have pets, tell your gardeners, do not put snail bait pellets out because your dogs will eat them. It's almost like the attraction of, with at least the old ethylene glycol antifreeze mm -hmm. that was a very, had a very sweet taste that attracted pets. 
This actually smells and tastes almost like a dog food, and dogs really like it, so be careful. What do you want now? Is there something else about Stego Palm that we should know? Well, I, the biggest thing that I'd heard is that, and again, thank goodness I don't have it around here, but it doesn't take much to end up causing a coagulopathy. And coagulopathies uh -huh. are um, the body stops being able to clot the blood properly. And so you can start having hemorrhaging or bleeding out of all sorts of parts of the body, and it can also cause liver failure. That's so like, it, um, um, what do you call it? Almost like rat poison, everybody. Exactly. So it has, it's like rodenticides often also have, uh, you know, cause coagulopathies. And I understand that horses like to eat sago palm too, so uh, you have to be very careful. I wanted to touch back on your ethylene glycol, the antifreeze. You know, uh -huh. That's one of our my favorite winter dangers because it's right. a good time, you know, and, and, it, and that makes sense to people. But it's um, also but used in summer because summer presents overheating. Right. Exactly. And and even in I have a trailer and we have antifreeze in it right now because but we're going to be dewinterizing it soon. So we're going to be draining out that antifreeze. Now what we use is uh, marine quality and trailer quality antifreeze. So it's not as toxic as what you'd put inside your car inside the engine to keep mm -hmm. it from freezing, but it's still in large quantities can be toxic. So as you're dewinterizing, you're shaking off winter, pay attention to what you use to keep everything from freezing in the first place. Right. And also, so let's move on. So uh, just be careful out in the gardens, out in the yards. Mm -hmm. uh, pets do like to, to dig and they like to eat. And uh, Heather made a great point. Sometimes for some of these flowers, it's the bulbs that are actually worse than the actual flower itself. All right. Let's go on to some mosquito driven issues oh, and I yes. know in the northeast does during spring and summer though mosquitoes may not be a big problem during the winter they definitely are during the summer in the south and the southeast they are problems year-round right. and actually here in California we never had really big mosquito issues but we are starting to and the particular mosquito that we're seeing that is adapted to a drier climate happens to be a year-round mosquito as well and of course when veterinarians think of mosquitoes the first thing we think about heartworm disease and so it's very important. And one thing about heartworm, it is very, very preventable, easily preventable, but very difficult, costly, and the disease itself could be deadly. So we don't want to get to the point, especially in our cats. Cats cannot be treated, so we really need to work on prevention when it comes to our cats and dogs as well. In fact, the, our most recent case was a dog that was adopted from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, heartworm positive. We put it through the imidacide treatment, and it's he's doing great. But very he, in theory, he could have died from the actual treatment, even though you do a great job. Absolutely. Because when right. these when these worms they can grow to be the size of spaghetti, and right. they're actually inside the heart of a dog. So when you kill off those worms, they don't just poof disappear. Right. They let go of the heart, or they let go of the blood vessels, and then they go flying around the body until the body eventually absorbs them. So right. the actual treatment itself is so effective, but you have to worry about the side effects of all these dead worms flying around the body. Right, so and we don't want to keep them very quiet. We wanna, it's very important. We often hospitalize. We have owners keep the animals very quiet because if their heart rate starts going up and these, you get a big clump of worms dying all at once, it can occlude some major vessels. Right. So we have to be very careful just with the treatment. And prevention, we're talking about once a month. Right. Or now there are some once every three months. Or you know, There are so many options. Speak to your veterinarian. There's no excuse not to have your pet on heartworm prevention. And it comes in all forms. There's injections, there are pills, and there are topical that you just that you squirt on top of your pet. So there's really both for dogs and cats. I highly, highly recommend 
prevention. Right. Now, other mosquito-borne disease that we might see, for example, we have your western and eastern equine encephalitis, which is transmitted by mosquitoes. But understand, there's some weird West Nile virus is another one. Dengue fever is another one. And there's one that's much more rare called chikungunya virus. But I will tell you that mosquitoes, we don't see, have not seen cases of dogs affected by the Zika virus. However, yeah. mosquitoes can be the dog. Your dog can act as a taxi. It can transmit. It can bring that mosquito into the home or the mosquito larvae into the home that then, if it's carrying that virus, can affect its human. So it's very important to control and not only prevent some of the mosquito-borne diseases if we can, but also to try to keep our mosquitoes in check. And um, so just be aware. Um, anything you want to add about uh, heartworm or mosquitoes? Well, ticks. In my neck of the woods, oh, we have a ton of ticks. I, I pulled one off myself. Uh, there's probably 10 zillion ticks behind me right now. It and looks Lyme, like it, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and ticks in the northeast and southeast, they're transmitted by deer and by rodents. Uh, and I see usually about 50 deer per week in my yard. Lyme is very hard, to di obviously, to diagnose in uh, people. It's can be relatively straightforward in animals, but I do highly, highly recommend preventing it as much as possible. There's a vaccine for it, and there's also a preventative to keep the ticks from staying on the dog long enough to transmit the Lyme disease. Also in the southeast, there's several other diseases that are spread by ticks that can affect the body's ability to clot, and you can and also spread lots of other really big problems inside the animal. So again, prevention is key. Right, we call the ticks, they call it, the ticks transmit something called rickettsial organisms, things like Rocky Mountain spotted fever, things like ehrlichiosis, as Heather mentioned. So it's more than just Lyme disease, not to mention the nuisance of having these very disgusting little bugs crawling yeah, in. They're, they, they're very hard, very, very difficult to remove a tick. Be careful, don't think. You can just grab it and pull it. it you will leave the mouth parts behind, see your veterinarian, learn some proper techniques to remove ticks. Do not, and I repeat, do not light a match to the oh, tick. No, I have no don't. idea where this started. I know, but, I know. But, uh, and dousing it with alcohol, that's probably not going to help. Mm -mm. But Vaseline, I, I've heard so many different things. Right. But uh, the best thing to do is tick prevention. Look for whatever you're going to use, whether it's a, a topical, whether it's a collar. There's some really good products out there. Make sure to check with your veterinarian about ticks. Now, how about moving on to, well, since we're on ticks, let's talk about fleas because most of the tick yeah. problem, products that we're going to use are also going to kill fleas. Mm -hmm. Fleas are a tremendous nuisance. I see here in Southern California, one of the biggest problems I see this time of year throughout summer, almost all year round actually, we call FAD, flea allergic dermatitis. I just many had a case yesterday. Yep. Many dogs are actually allergic to flea saliva. And cats, that's cats, one, well. and that's the bite of one flea. Absolutely. You don't have to be infested, just one right. flea, which you can't find on a pet. So, you know, it's so funny because I had a case just the other day, and just by the nature of the lesion and the dog's behavior, all right, I said, there is definitely, we looked and we looked, we couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. I get a call from this client an hour later, and she goes, Jeff, we found the flea. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I bet it was. I knew it. I knew uh -huh. it. Good. So anyway, yeah, fleas are a nuisance. Uh, most of the products you're going to use for your ticks, you're going to control fleas as well. And you don't want to wait until it's too late. Get your pets, see your veterinarian, get your pets on flea preventative. There are so many wonderful options out there, including Comfortis and Trifexis. Trifexis will also get the heartworm. So you want to take care of those fleas as well. 
And I just wanted to touch on, too, uh, products that are okay to use in dogs aren't necessarily okay to use in cats. So there right. can be some devastating injuries and toxicities that occur in cats if you've shared those two products. It's all on the label, so when you buy a box, look very carefully and make sure that whether or not you can use it in cats. If in the label itself, the name of the product happens to say on it, canine, then you do know that is a big hint for everybody right. that it is means for dogs only. But do check the label. That's a very good point. It's not, well, oh, it's my little cat, so I'm just going to use less of it. Very dangerous. There are some products that have been on the market years ago that are still being talked about 15 years later because of the devastation and how many cats, unfortunately, were hurt, affected by these drugs. So be very, very, very careful. But now on the subject of allergies, let's talk about these springtime and summer allergens. We see it very commonly. Probably, I would say, one of the number one reasons I'm seeing pets this time of year are going to be related to allergies, to skin problems. And just everybody should realize that most of the allergens affecting our pets, be them flea, pollens, grasses, weeds, trees, Household allergens, kapok, wool, feathers, human epithelia. That's right. Your dog can be allergic to you. So don't always blame it that you're allergic to your cat, but uh, dogs and cats can be allergic to us. And even food. And what's so interesting about all of these allergens, you would think, for example, let's take food. When we have a food allergy, what happens? We spend a night in the bathroom. Right. Okay. We have that hypersensitivity, ate something that wasn't good for us. But when it comes to our pets, whether it's food, whether it's a topical allergen, whether it is something inhaled, they 95% manifest on the skin. So we're going to have skin allergies. These dogs are going to present us itching and scratching. And now sometimes with dogs, we have an idea based on the location of the lesion, what the problem mm -hmm. might be. Cats, no way. It's Cats so can become familiar with dermatitis, and regardless of where their lesions are, it could be any one of the seven, th 10 things we just mentioned. Right. But dogs, you have a clue. What the bottom line is, don't think, oh, it can't be food because he's not vomiting or he doesn't have diarrhea. No, he's not going to. He's going right. to scratch. Right. So, um, Make sure you see a veterinarian, go through a list of possibilities, but the allergens could be many. There are some great products out there. There are great testing out there now. Mm -hmm. No longer do you have to necessarily go to a specialist and have the skin scratch testing. There are some fantastic, fantastic tests out there that can be done on blood. And also, if you don't like giving shots, injections, for to desensitize your pets, there are now a couple of companies that have sublingual drops. These are drops that go in the mouth, under the tongue, that you can give to help build up your pet's own immunity to those allergens that he or she is allergic to that can also help improve her condition. So there are a lot of options out there. Make sure to see your vet. Real quick, we have to take a very, very quick break. Mark, a very quick break because we're going to run out of time as we always do with Heather. And we'll be right back. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Yuppie Puppy City Kitty provides pet lovers an opportunity to earn up to 50% commission selling our premium pet products. Advocate Gina Brick says, the opportunity to share such a quality product line with other pet lovers is amazing. The support of the Yuppie Puppy City Kitty family while working the business is a true gift. Mention special code PETLIFE when you enroll today and receive three additional products free. Find us at www.ypckpets.com. That's ypckpets.com. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. 
all-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. When we ran out, we stopped using it. Why would you stop? Why undo all the good that's been accomplished? We thought everything was fine, and that was not a good thing. No, 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 no. He started stinking. It was awful. Shedding comes back, loss of hair, lots of dandruff. Scratching will return. His shedding will increase. If I ever took Roy off of Dynavite, he would go back to his hair loss. <gasps> D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. When I get down to the bottom of my box of Dynavite, when I get to about three quarters. Oh no, I've got a couple more scoops. It's time to place my order. Dynavite.com. Each and every day she is getting that Dynavite. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Just feed your dog right. Use Dynavite. If it's working, don't quit. Don't do what I did and run out. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. dot com. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots, and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Here, your host of Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Here again with our special guest, Dr. Heather Lenzer, representing uh, American Animal Hospital Association. I'm here on one end of the coast in Los Angeles. Heather's in New Jersey. And uh, Heather, it looks like you have just as beautiful a day as we have today. I'm jealous. It's the um, first time, so I'm, I'm just happy that it's finally here. It's gorgeous out there. All right, so... Um, we touched upon it earlier, earlier, but this is a great time of year. You talked about having your trailer. People like to go out, like, like to travel, like to drive. We talked about the American Animal Hospital Association hospitals that you can check on when you're on the road if you are traveling and you need a, a hospital for some reason. So we want to talk about one thing that we that uh, we should you know cover. We just kind of finished this week, uh, the April what 17th to the 23rd um, is National Pet ID Week. So we have to be very careful with our pets to make sure they have identification. And there needs to be more than one form of ID on your pet. We also always should have an external ID. Have a collar, have a tag. Now on your collar, you can even have a GPS device. There are so many options. You can have an activity monitor, kind of like a Fitbit for your dog. And, and there's some great ones out there. There's Whistle, there's Pet Pace. You can watch what your dog is during the day, how many calories it's burning, what the respiration rate is like. I mean, almost TMI, too much information oh. for, for pet owners. <laughs> but, but at least the stuff is out there. But a microchip 
is an absolute essential for your pet. It's a permanent form of identification. It is accurate. It cannot be mutilated or modified, and it is always registered to you. And if most of the municipalities, shelters across the country are paying attention to their own rules, any dog or cat that is found that has a microchip cannot be put to sleep. So it is also a, a safety measure for your pet because, as we know, collars can fall off. Tags can fall off. As a matter of fact, you know, I see these clients coming in and they have six or seven different tags. They have their city license. They have their ID. They have their microchip you know, the tag. And they all have them on one S-loop or one ring. I'm like, guys, you're crazy. If that one ring falls off, you're going to lose all the ID. So I don't care if the jingle is greater. You can put a, something and put a rubber band around them. But you want to have at least two or three different attachments. So if they lose one or two of the tags, at least you'll have something that is still going to be effective. But one of our sponsors, the Safeless Life Microchip, is great because it can turn the microchip number. They wear a tag, says Google this number, and then when you Google that number, that will put you in touch with the owner of the pet. And it's amazing. So you don't need a scanner. How many of you are walking around with your dogs with a microchip scanner in your pocket, right? It right. doesn't happen. So this way you can actually get a hold of someone without having to take it to a shelter or a veterinarian. And it also works extremely well. I love that one too. But I just want to bring up two important points. Be sure just because your pet was microchipped seven years ago doesn't mean that the company is necessarily keeping track of the pet for you. There tends to be a registration fee every year in most cases. So double check and make sure that you don't need to renew your registration. And also when your pet goes to a shelter or veterinary hospital, they're scanned just like Dr. Jeff said, but the hospital uses the American Animal Hospital Association's universal microchip lookup tool. And this is, a, uh, it has 25, over 25 actually companies in that tool because when the, across the scanner will come up this big long number and no one knows what that means. You enter that into the tool and then we find out what company it is. Because you've mentioned one company and again there's a bunch of other ones and they all have their pros and cons. So find out what your pet is using from a microchip standpoint and do make sure they're registered appropriately. Absolutely. Also, make sure this is that we are now finally on what's called the ISO system. That's a different frequency. We were sadly the last country in the world to make the change. Even Canada beat us. Anyway. <laughs> I am um, Canadian, man. Be careful. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so everybody got there before we did. Finally, the U.S., I guess, caved in and decided, okay, even though we have these zillions of scanners out there that may not be able to read this frequency, but we have to make the change. So you might want to check with the veterinarian next time you go in. Make sure that you have an updated microchip or hope that as long as your pet stays in the U.S. and is lost in the U.S., that it will still be able to be read. But if you're going to travel, recommendations are either bring your own scanner that can read the old microchips frequency or you can rechip. And just so you know, there's no problem with having two microchips in. Many people have had to do it that um, had the old frequency and then are traveling to somewhere in Europe or someplace else in the world, South America, and need the ISO frequency. So just keep that in mind. Talk to your veterinarian next time you go in. Another thing we always talk about springtime. Well, let's finish. Not only are pets spending on a lot of time outside traveling, but how many of you, and you don't have to, I'm not going to, I can't see you except for Heather, so you don't have to give me a show of hands, but I tell you, it does not apply to Dr. Lenzer, have put on a little extra weight during the winter while you're sitting around, <laughs> right, and, you know, eating, drinking your whatever and trying to stay warm in front of the fire, and we have to get out there. 
Our pets are no different. Because of the exercise challenges in many parts of the country during the winter, some of our pets, this is the fifth year in a row that pet obesity has been on the rise. So it is a tremendous problem. And as I've said before, and I'm not embarrassed to say it, is that most of our overweight pets do belong to owners who themselves can lose a few. Mm-hmm. So, and interestingly and sadly, that is one of the problems why we have such a problem with obesity. Because a lot of veterinarians are afraid, embarrassed to talk about obesity sitting in front of that client it's who so clearly true. needs to lose weight. And I right. say, you know what? It doesn't bother me one bit. I want to know anyone on the planet who looks in the mirror and doesn't know they're overweight. So don't be afraid, doctor. They already know they're overweight. And you get them to get out and spend time with their pet, get some exercise, running. And I always look at them and I'll say, in fact, it's good for both of you. It gets the heart pumping. It, you burn some calories. It's all good. And I would tell you, most clients are going to look at you and they I know, doc. I know. I've been working on it. I've been, I got to lose a little few too. And I felt like saying, yes, you do. But mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm not that bold. But anyway, so uh, it's very important to get out, exercise your pet, speak to your veterinarian about maybe modified diets, but don't ignore the fact that obesity is a problem that leads to a lot of other problems, from joint locomotion problems to cardiovascular respiratory problems, increased incidence of cancer, skin problems, I mean, you name it, uh, metabolic disease, uh, increased incidence of diabetes. There are so many conditions associated with obesity. Keep your pets lean, keep them in good shape, see your veterinarian, talk about an exercise and a diet program that's good for them. And now this time of year is the time to start. There is no excuse. You want to add anything, Heather? No, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Thank you. Okay. So one last thing we want to talk about, and that is, and we only have a few minutes left. You know, this is the time of year that every week, there's a name for it. It's called spring cleaning because we've been, again, sitting around doing whatever not we should be doing during the winter, and it's time to get out. So we all say, okay, you know what? It, it's, in fact, what did you say your kids and my husband are doing today, Heather? The yard they're work, doing, right? They're doing yard work. Of exactly. course they are. So we use a lot of chemicals, whether it's weed killers, whether it's cleaners, and we have to remember that even if you don't have children, your dogs are your children, and they get into things. So make sure you have safety locks on every cabinet. Mm-hmm. If there's something that you can put away you know, in, a, in the garage high up, you know, I always say when, when we're dealing with puppies, and I'm trying to talk to somebody about training them about puppies and what to do, I say, look in the room. Before you leave a puppy alone, I want you to look and scan the room. If there is anything even remotely possible that that dog can get into, it will. It will find it 100%. <laughs> if it has a choice. For example, if you're going to leave your Louboutins out or your flaps out, absolutely, you know he's going after the Louboutins. Uh-huh. So you've got to be be prepared be smart, be sensible, and it's the same thing with cleaning products, household products, anything that is a chemical, you must keep it locked up well out of a pet's reach regardless. And one thing that I've actually have treated dogs for this is people that they open up a cabinet and it's maybe it's they haven't been in there in a while and it's now moldy and really gross. Um, they use bleach, which is great. But uh, you need to dilute the bleach. Don't combine any bleach with anything else. So combining things like bleach and Windex can actually produce very toxic gases. It can do- and and these t- these can be toxic not only to you but to your animal. So I, I said it with the flea the flea medication. Read labels carefully. Also, a common misnomer is things like Swiffer wet jets and Febreze that type of thing are toxic. They haven't proven to be. They have an ingredient called propylene glycol. 
people think that's ethylene glycol. <laughs> it's not. Um, so if your pet is ill or acting odd and you just brought out the Swiffer, it's probably not the Swiffer. So do bring your pet to the vet and don't just blame it on something that you found around your home. But one thing I just add about the Swiffer, you know, you it's got those little those mats that you can like the covers that you can wash in the washing mm -hmm. machine. That's something fun to chew on. Just ask any puppy. So, so, uh, so, just be careful of that stuff because that is that's like eating a sock. And, right. and sure enough, that sleeve is going to end up somewhere in that puppy's gut and might require surgery. Uh -huh. So, uh, even that. And in fact, uh, speaking of foreign bodies like that and toys, so one of my really good friends from high school has been my client for years. His dog, about six weeks ago, had surgery to remove a foreign body from his stomach. Okay. And or his intestine, it wasn't in the stomach. He calls me the other night. They basically watched him. It was he, he was chewing on something, and next thing you know, it's gone. So I said, "Oh my God! You think this dog learned a lesson? Absolutely no, not. They, they do not learn these lessons." No. So P.S. We were able to. We weren't. I had to send him to a friend of mine who has an endoscope, and because we knew it was still in the stomach, instead of cutting this poor dog open again, a magnificent two-year-old Labrador. He was able to go in and grab it from the stomach. So make sure that you keep an eye on your pets when it comes to anything around the house. As I said, even if you don't think it's dangerous, just assume it's dangerous. Right. And don't let them chew on anything they're not supposed to chew on. Anyway, Heather, thank you so much for joining me again. You're welcome. Thanks for having we will, me. We will come up with an excuse to have you back soon. Absolutely. Uh, so you can give those plugs for AHA, which I, I'm totally fine with. I love um, talking you know, about it. If you have any questions, any topics you would like to uh, me to talk about on air, uh, any guests that you would like, uh, please go. You can reach me very easily, drjeff at petliferadio.com or drjeff at drjeff.com, drjeff at drjeff.com. Once again, thanks to Elanco, Kong Veterinary Products, Save This Life Microchip, ProSense Pet Products, our sponsors for the show. Once again, thank you for uh, to the American Animal Hospital Association for lending us Heather for the <laughs> past 30 minutes. And uh, have a great week, everybody, and we'll be here next week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.